Get that water out of the goddamn huddle. I'll tell you when you get a f***ing water break. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Ollie Bay. Today is November 1st, 2019. Got a lot to talk about. Didn't get a podcast out Wednesday. That was my fault. I did the film review video. Uh, it took me two days. Normally, I'd try to get it all done on Tuesday, but I broke it up into two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. I uh, didn't have it done by the podcast time, so we decided to do the podcast on Thursday instead for the film review. Then we realized, oops, that was Halloween. So we figured we'd do the uh, film review from the Tennessee game and the preview of the Seattle game on this podcast. We got a two-for-one for you today. Two-for-one two special. <laughs> it's not even going to cost you anything extra. <laughs> All right, fact checks and follow-ups. Big follow-up here. We wanted to say this. We did not mean to suggest cutting Richard Perriman. We were upset over the last game and when we did the instant podcast, and we brought that up, and we said it. We kind of said it offhandedly, but... We try not to do that. Yes, I want to put that out there. We don't want Richard Perriman to be cut. He's a teammate. We'd like him to play better. We'd like him to catch the ball, especially when he's wide open in the end zone on a two-point conversion. And probably some other time during the game would be nice. Another follow-up. This is kind of a follow-up anyhow. Yes, that was a leaf blower in the video. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Molly laughed so hard at that. I was listening to it. I I hadn't heard it yet. I watched it the first time and heard it. The landscapers were here. Well, you know, I record the video... And I do the audio, and then I go through and I edit. And I listen to it like three or four times. Never heard that leaf blower until we got everything done, uploaded it, and Molly was watching it. She was like, what's that noise? I was like, oh, my God. That's a leaf blower. <laughs> it's loud as that. I don't know how I missed it. So, anyhow, if you're wondering what that noise was, it's not a jet. It's a leaf blower. All right. I want to get to this Tennessee game. This was one of those. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Okay. That was a very depressing game, but it was very, very interesting in the All-22. We've talked about this on the podcast quite often, how when you watch the game on the broadcast version live, you get an impression of it, and then sometimes when you watch the All-22, you get a totally different impression of it. Well, this year, we haven't had a game like that yet. You know, pretty much everything we saw during the broadcast live came up on the All-22. You still got the same feel. When you watch All-22, it's totally different because you get you have no narration. There's no commentary. You're, you're watching the play twice. Uh, all the emotion is out of it. It's very objective and analytical. And so you see things that you don't see during the broadcast, and you don't have that emotion, too. Well, with this game, it was definitely different than what the live version feeling was or impression was. I'm going to sum it up this way, and I don't really know how to say this because I'm a Jameis supporter. He's our quarterback, best quarterback we've ever had, but he played really bad. He was the number one reason why we lost that game, and I did not know that. Matter of fact, after watching the game live, I thought, damn, Jameis Winston played really good. You know, damn near perfect, other than the Keystone Cops play. Which I thought was on Perriman initially. Yeah, and... Uh, during the game, you know, I was yelling at the TV. Molly even tweeted that, that you know, Jameis. You're cussing at him the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> scrambling out of the pocket. Well, you know, still, I thought he played a good game. But watching the All-22, oh, my God, it was bad. It was really bad. Uh, it was Carolina Panthers bad, if not worse. 
he gets in his own head and you see it frequently in a game like the Carolina Panthers when he got hit early and then it just all went downhill from there. And I just don't really know if he's recovered from that performance, if his confidence is shook, if he's getting in his own head, if there's something else going on in his life that maybe we don't know about and it's just really affecting him. Well, me and Molly have talked about this extensively over the past few days because it's really it's really bothered me, you know, because I'm of the opinion that I wouldn't mind seeing Ryan Griffin step in. I mean, Jameis Winston has cost us, by my calculations, three games this year just by his poor performances. Uh, this Tennessee game was completely winnable. I mean, we dominated this game. The, we still only lost by, what, four points? Yes. And the main issue was Jameis Winston. Now, right close behind Jameis Winston was the refs. And that, I didn't pick it up. I even said in the instant reaction, like, oh, they weren't that bad except for the fumble that they ruled dead when it should have been a touchdown. But you have a whole list of stuff that they missed. Right, yeah. that got wrong. Yeah, I didn't think they did that bad either until I started watching the, the game film. And I was just like, what in the world were these guys thinking? I counted six screw-ups by the refs against us. Uh, we had Derrick Henry had two big runs on us. Yeah. They were the biggest runs we've allowed all season. The, the longest we had allowed before that was 19 yards, and then he got a big one for... I think 34 30. yards, and that was his longest run of the season, too. Yes. Well, if you watch the video I put up on YouTube, you, I pointed out, but William Goldston was held on that play, which allowed... Derrick Henry to break through the line. Now, of course, there was some poor tackling once he got to the second level, but that the holding penalty was just—I mean, it was really blatant. I mean, it was right in front of the referee. Then another play later in the game, the other big run he got, exact same thing. They held Golston again. I, I didn't see if it was the same guy that held him. I think it was the tight end, eighty-one or eighty-eight. I can't remember. Uh, he did have a. A big run in the fourth quarter at 12-20 that was called back for a holding. So they did catch that one. But, but they had been doing it the whole game. Yes. Uh, there was the two defensive pass interference calls on Carlton Davis. I looked and I looked and I looked. I could not see what they were talking about there. The one pass interference that they called on him and they showed the replay, he was turned around looking at the ball and he just barely touched the guy and the guy you know, acted like he was got pushed. You could see Carlton Davis didn't really even push him. It just... He got faked it. Uh, the the first one, though, they got a defensive pass interference call on him right before that. I couldn't see anything, and they didn't show it on the replay. So just going on all 22, I didn't see it at all. So those two, you know, those are a little bit iffy, but the two holding pennies we definitely should have been called. Tennessee had a, a kickoff return that they ran back. I think it was close to 40 yards, somewhere in that area. That one was a blatant hold. You can see the video. I'll put it on the video. I can't remember who it was that got held. But he got held and allowing the runner to run right past him. And that one, too, was right in front of a ref. Okay. Then we've got the fumble fake field, the fake field goal attempt. And we all know that was bad. I mean, I think they even apologized for that one, saying it was a screw-up on their part. But then there was the fumble or the snap to the face on Jameis Winston. You know, Jensen snapped the ball early. It hit Jameis Winston in the face. If you look at it, go look at a video on YouTube. Ali Marpet was standing up. He never set 
He was still moving and he, talking to the rest of the line. Yeah, he he was he was turned around. He turned around. He said something to Donovan Smith. He turned around. He looked at Jameis Winston. He hit Jensen. Then he turned back around and he was looking backwards at Jameis Winston and standing up when the ball was snapped. That that play should have been blown dead right there. The whistle should have been called. That's an illegal shift uh, according to the rule book, Rule Seven, Section Four, Article Six. It states. All offensive players are required to come to a complete stop and be in a set position simultaneously for at least one full second prior to the snap. Failure to do so is an illegal shift. They could have got him for a false start, too. I mean, Marpet was moving around. It it was just like, well, I think everybody was just so surprised. I mean, it was obvious that Marpet snapped the ball before everybody was ready. Jetson. Or Jensen snapped the ball before everybody was ready because, you know, the whole line kind of hesitated. And like I said, Marpet was standing up, but that should have been blown dead right there. That should not have been a fumble. No, it should not have been. So the refs really, really screwed us on this game. And those were two big plays, that and the fumble on the fake field goal. Yes, those are Could two. have been the difference in the game. Yes. Now, I went and I told you I was going to do some research on all the ref stuff and all that. I found out that there's four or five refs in new york that do the instant replay the guy um alberto Al riveron yeah R- riveron yeah he's he's the one that's in charge of all that okay okay but there are other guys that do it uh our referee crew this year this past game at tennessee all the crews are named after the referee the head referee so this is the adrian hill crew the hill crew adrian hill is the referee he's the Main guy in charge there. The one with the white hat. This was his first year as a referee. This is the seventh game he's played as a referee. He's got 10 years experience as an official, but this is his first year as a referee. The down judge is David Oliver. He's got two years experience. He's the guy who was standing right there on that fake field goal. I mean, he was like five feet away. You know, I mean, he could see exactly what happened. He blew that damn whistle and he I wanted to it. throw. Yeah, it was him. It's Judge Oliver, David Oliver. I'm sorry. He's a down judge. Now, our referee crew, there's 17 referee crews. Our referee crew had nobody on the crew that was on that same crew last year. So they never worked together either. Never worked together, except for these seven games. Or was it eight games? What are we on? Week eight? Yeah, eight, eight games. Probably seven, though, because they get it by week two. Now, there's 17 crews. Only three of them do not have officials who were on the same crew as last year. So, of course, we get one of the crappy crews. That's just how it happens. We're a small market team. We're going to get the crappy crews. But we've got Adrian Hills, the referee. It was his first year as a ref. David Oliver, two years experience. Line judge Mark Stewart only had one year experience. And the field judge Clark, this is his first year. So we had the most inexperienced crew in the NFL on that game in Tennessee. And they've really screwed us. That was six mistakes they made. And quite a few of them. Really, really hurt us. Now, we've got a crew coming up for the Seattle game. Seattle's a bigger market team, so we've got John Hussey's crew. Uh, two officials, Kevin Cody and the down judge. He's the down judge. And Alan Baines is the field judge. They've worked on that crew last year. So three of these guys have worked together. And most of them have at least five years' experience at their position. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the referee, John Hussey, he's got 18 years' experience. So we're, we should have some good officiating in this game for a change. Well, relatively good. So, yeah, Jameis Winston and the judges was what really screwed this game up. And I hate to say that about Jameis Winston because 
You know, I'm, a, I'm a, I've always been a big supporter of him. Well, then again, I'll be a big supporter of anybody that's on the team, but he is the best quarterback we've ever had. And it's the whole question of if it's not Jameis Winston, if he's not the Bucks quarterback, what's the future of the Buccaneers look like? Who's well, going to replace him? Right. That's why I am like, let's, I wouldn't mind seeing Ryan Griffin, you know, just because we might have, you know, in the preseason, me and you saw him and we were like, oh God, he sucks. And then we, watched it again and then watched the red and we were like wow he's really good it was the offensive line that was screwing up that was making him look bad uh but i'd like to see him he's just much more calm and collected and that's what Jameis winston's problem is we talked about this we said it in the off season that the two big things and we've been saying this in the podcast since we've been doing this podcast the two big things that Jameis winston needs to fix and we wanted to see bruce arians fix is his happy feet and not seeing the field and what? he's made no improvements no, on he, either one of those. I think he's gotten worse. Yeah, I do too. He's This game was really a showcase of his happy feet and his because not Because he the didn't field. need to do any of it. There was no reason. Tennessee is not that good of a team. No, and he had great pass protection the whole game. I mean, Donovan Smith gave up a sack in the fourth quarter. Uh, and Dari missed a blitzer coming in on, on a cornerback blitz. And another running back, uh, I think it was Ronald Jones, he didn't pick up a blitz coming in on the left. Other than that, our offensive line did great. I mean, our offensive line did great. Our running backs still had issues with their pass protection. Not as bad as last week. We're not giving up seven sacks. Right. And Donovan Smith did give up that play, but it was a really good move. I think it was Landry, the defensive end, that just did a great speed move. Donovan Smith did everything right. That guy just was able to get his arm out and got his hand on Winston. I mean, it was a matter of inches. But still, I mean, Winston had great pass protection in there. What do you think about the interceptions? Because Bruce Arians came out this week and said that none of them were his fault. They were all the receivers running the wrong route. Yes, and I actually wrote that down when we were watching the game, when we were taking notes watching the game. And I said it to me, it looked like the receivers ran the wrong routes. And I wanted to see what Bruce Arians said during the press conference. And sure enough, he said they ran the wrong routes. And it was James, It was not Jameis Winston's fault. However... While that's technically true. Technically true. The best kind of truth. <laughs> they were with Jameis Winston's fault. Because if you look at both of them, and I, I did this on the video, even though the wide receivers ran the wrong routes, Jameis Winston should not have thrown those balls, even if they were the right routes, because there was a defender there where he threw the ball. It's not like that guy was going to get out of the way. You know, almost, almost exactly where he threw the ball twice, there was a defender there. And, they, and I mean, they intercepted the ball, right? I mean, it was it, it came right to him. It wasn't yeah. like they had to, you know. So, so they were there anyhow. He shouldn't have thrown that ball on to that route, even if the receivers were running the route correctly. And on the last interception, uh, he he should have thrown the ball away. It was the fourth quarter. It's twenty six seconds left. And the interesting thing about that was there was no good routes. So I, just throw it away at that point, because otherwise, yeah. I mean, there's twenty six seconds left. We had the time managed. We had no routes running to the outside edges to so that the guys could catch the ball and go out of bounds. No, oh, what kind of play call? Was I that? know it was very strange. I, that, that one I got to put on Leftwich, you know. But or no, that would actually be Bruce Arians because he takes over the last five minutes of the game supposedly. So while the receivers did not run good routes, they screwed up on the routes on those interceptions. Jameis Winston should not have thrown to the routes they should have run. But the, you know. Those weren't really the big issues I had with Jameis Winston. I, the wish, issues I had were the two things we talk about all the time. is happy feet and not seeing the field. Not seeing the field was 
huge in this game. One of the worst I've ever seen. Especially because Tennessee's secondary is not that great. We should have been torching Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that in the the preview. It's like our receivers are just going to have a ball with the secondary because they can't keep up with our guys. And sure enough, Jameis Winston missed eight open receivers. Eight. That's the most I've ever charged with him in one game. I'm pretty sure. I think there might have been nine last year, the year before, in one game. But, I mean, there was eight times, eight, eight times he had open receivers that he did not see. Now, some of them he did throw to somebody else, and it might have been a reception or whatever. But I point out that there was a better option, a more wide-open receiver over here. But a lot of times, you know, he threw a bad pass or got sacked or scrambled or whatever when he had wide-open guys out in the thing. The one sack he got, this was uh, the second quarter, 8.45 in the, in the second quarter. He stepped up into the pocket and ran right into the defenders. As it's collapsing. Like, they're coming to him. They're coming to him, and he stepped up right into him. You see it coming. Yeah. But that one was so annoying because he had Mike Evans open on a slant across the middle immediately. And you can see on the All-22, he sees Mike Evans. Mike Evans is wide open. Wide open. And Jameis's body is angled. He's angled at exactly Evans. Exactly at him. Yeah. Why he didn't throw the ball, I don't understand. I do not he know. He just held it. He just held it and tucked it and walked forward right into a sack. And the these receivers, you know, especially Mike Evans, I mean, you've got to give Mike Evans prop. I've been pointing out for years that you know Mike Evans will be open. James Winston doesn't see him, doesn't throw in the ball. And it's got to be frustrating for these guys, you know, these receivers, to be wide open. And, you know, Jameis Winston's over there scrambling or, you know, throwing it to a covered guy. Which he does that a lot. He'll throw to a covered guy when there's a guy wide open. I mean, these routes are getting we're, – we're getting guys open all over the place. And Jameis Winston has just not seen them. And now, Dirk Cutter, you know, I, I'll praise Dirk Cutter all day long. He was a great offensive coordinator. He almost always had receivers open. And Jameis Winston just doesn't see them. Uh, Jameis Winston had three sacks. The first one, he ran right into the guy. Okay? Uh, the second sack, it was a missed block by 44, Daria Ogunbowale on a cornerback blitz. Uh, Dari just totally whiffed on that guy. And then the fourth one, or the third one, was in the fourth quarter, 6'10", Donovan Smith, uh, number 58, Landry, did a speed move to the outside. He stripped the ball from Winston. He didn't get a sack. He got a strip. But they consider that a sack. <clears throat> so the, de- the offensive line played great. I mean, Winston had a beautiful pocket in this game. Yeah, he had all day a lot of times. All day. But he scrambled six times that I counted. Six times. For no reason. He would have a beautiful pocket, and he would scramble out of it. And that was frustrating while we were watching the game. Yeah, that was yeah. a lot of your... Um, <laughs> cussing? Yes, your cussing. <laughs> and and I, I didn't really even realize how good the pockets were until I saw the All-22. I mean, they were beautiful pockets. And a lot of times, they completely collapsed the defensive line, and there would be three offensive linemen standing there yeah, with nothing to do because all the defensive linemen were in a pile. And they just stopped trying the defensive line yeah. at some points. Uh, so Jameis Winston scrambled six times that I counted for no reason. And that just drives me crazy when he does that. Now, a lot of those times, he would run the ball. He would try to run the ball. And I think he was our leading rusher. Not sure, but I think he was a leading Russia team. But that's not a good thing. Three times, Jameis Winston ran for it on third down and short and came up short. Uh, one was in the, the fourth quarter at 229. I think it, we had, it was third and two. Third, yeah, third two. I remember that one during yeah, the game. He had a beautiful pocket. There was open receivers. And he runs out and gets one yard. He ran over. There was nobody near him. And he ran to the right and 
three guys, three defenders. Yeah, that attacking. is really frustrating too. When it's he's scrambling, he's getting ready to take off, and then he runs right where the defender is. He does that he does so that much more often than not. He just does not make good decisions when he's scrambling. Yes, and then there was the uh, the Keystone Cops play where Perryman run into. Dare. Dare. That was so embarrassing. It was embarrassing. We'll get to the embarrassment stuff here in a little bit. But that was totally on Jameis. On all 22, you see him. He motions Perriman in. You know, he, he motions, tell him to go into motion. And then immediately lifts his leg to have Jensen snap the ball to him. And Jensen snaps the ball. He hands it to Dari. Dari runs forward. Blam. Right into Perriman. That was 100% Jameis Winston's fault. That was a boneheaded I mean, that's a high school level mistake. And, I, I, you know, with all this stuff that Jameis is doing, I, you know, I mean, that, that was a big play. That was third and four on the Tennessee four-yard line. I know. That was a touchdown. Yes. And, and, and you could see it on TV when they had slow motion. There was a huge gap for Dare to go up in. It would have been a touchdown, most likely. And you just can't have this. You can't, you can't have the leader of your team screwing up like this all the time and not expect everybody else to screw up. And it's got to be so frustrating, especially for our defensive line, which is an elite level defensive line, to just see Winston screw up, screw up, screw up, and they have to keep going out there and trying to clean up his mess. He turns the ball over. The defense is in a precarious position because the other team is in the red zone or close to the Mm -hmm. red zone. And there's really nothing as a defense that you can do. They're going to score there. And it happened in this game. Yeah, twice, right? I think so, I think yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, he'll miss an open receivers like this. I mean, eight times during this game. I mean, it's not it's not that he's throwing to them and they're not catching it or he's overthrowing it or bad throws or whatever. He's just not seeing these guys. And they're open. There was he threw the ball to he threw it out of bounds in the end zone. Uh it went it, Chris Godwin was the closest guy over there. And it was on third down. So we ended up getting a field goal. Eighty eight, Tanner Hudson was wide open for a touchdown on that play. And that dude has some hands. Like, he can make a grab, even if it's not a great ball thrown at him. Yeah. Uh, there was a play where uh, I think it was Mike Evans was being covered. No, no. It, it was the tight end was being covered. Right. It was, it was either Brait or Hudson. And his coverage man fell down. And he the, the tight end ended up being wide open. But instead, Winston, Winston didn't even see it. You know, and... That's what, if you listen to this podcast, I'll say it all the time. Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, those guys look for that to happen. They look for the defense to make mistakes because, you know, there's 11 guys on the field. One of them generally is going to be out of position, have bad angle, hips turned the wrong way. Those guys look for that. You know, they're not looking at, they're not going, oh, my first receiver, I look at him. Second receiver, I look at him. I mean, they might be doing that, but at the same time, they're looking for mistakes. And if you make a mistake, they're going to target you. They do this all the time. I mean, they're great at it. Matt Ryan's one of the best. I don't think I've seen yet where he has, the defensive player has made a mistake and Matt Ryan did not target him. Yeah, we saw one, I think, this year where the dude fell down, but Matt Ryan threw into the blitz. He did yeah. what you're supposed to do, but he didn't see that guy. Right, yeah. So I wouldn't really call that a mistake on Matt Ryan's fault. But And, I, and I'm not here to blow smoke up Matt Ryan's butt. I'm just here to say Jameis Winston needs to be doing that. You know, when you have a defender fall down and a receiver is wide open because the defender fell down, you better see that and you better throw it to him. But Jameis Winston doesn't. He never sees this stuff. We're just in such a precarious position with him because he is what he is. It's been five years. It's not going to be any different. This just is what he is. And I don't think you can fix him. I think you have to learn 
how to manage it. And he's never learned how to manage his screw ups. That's part of the problem, too, is he's not improving or identifying what makes him screw up like this. It's on him. He's in his own head. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's a coach in the world that can change that. If, if Arians can't fix it, and it doesn't look like he is going to fix it or is fixing it, I don't know. I don't even know if they're working on it because it looks like he's getting worse with this stuff. I I, I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm dumbfounded by this. Well, I almost think that maybe he's thinking too much about the system, too much about yeah. the new system that he's in, and then you just kind of revert to old habits. Yeah, you, you've hounded on that, and that, that seems to be the thing you're – you think is the issue. I, I just, this is what Winston has done ever since he's been here. And I, I've wanted it to get better with Arians. It doesn't look like it's going to. I just. But it's just worse than it's ever been. And what's different this year? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, the coaching staff, I guess. Yeah, because he he's always had Dirk Cutter. Yeah. You know. Since he came in the league. Yeah, but he's always done this, even with Dirk Cutter. Right, but it wasn't this severe, this frequent. Right, yeah. It's been three games out of seven. Yeah. That he's just basically crapped the bed. And you can almost live with it as a fan, I think, when it's more infrequent, maybe a game or two a season, maybe even three in a whole season. But yeah, right. three and seven games. Yeah. Almost half the games. Yeah, you just can't have it. You can't have it. It's you can't win like that. And we have a good football team. We're gonna get to all that later, but we have a good football team, and I do believe it's being held back by Jameis Winston. If he doesn't to get this under control, you know he's not going to be with the team. We're, you know we're going to we're going to release him at the end of the year. He's got to. There, there's no way that you can play like this and and continue to be a quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. Donovan Smith played like crap all last year. Right. Never got any better. Yeah. Got a huge contract. Got a payday. And now look at him. Now look at him. I mean, Donovan Smith is playing great. So maybe there's something to be said for that contract. I don't know. I don't know, man. I just. It was really, it was really depressing for me to watch. You know, it was depressing. The Tennessee game was depressing. The loss to begin with, and then watching all twenty-two and just seeing seeing this stuff, I'm like, God, man, this is this is sad. And it's exactly what you said. The Keystone Cops. It's the boneheaded, terrible decisions where he just looks like there should be Benny Hill music playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, he does look like that when he runs. Then he anyhow. slipped on a banana peel. You know, it just. Yeah, we've had way too many of those. Embarrassing plays, yeah, from Winston. Amateur hour, amateur hour. You know, but he and that's what I hate. You know about the scrambling. And here's the thing about the scrambling: he'll scramble sometimes. He'll come out of the pocket and then you know he'll throw a bomb down the field and it'll it'll work. Or he'll run. You know, and he he got a twenty yard run in this game. You know, and he, so you know he gets emboldened by that. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, I ran for twenty yards, all the good stuff. A so then he just keeps do- confidence. Yes, he just keeps doing it and doing it, and doing it. When you know you say, hey, do that as a completely last resort, man. Or when you are certain it's going to work and nothing right. can, can go wrong. Right. Yeah, but not on a third and two when you have beautiful protection. You know, don't scramble outside the pocket and then for no reason try to run with three defenders in front of you. I. Uh, yeah. And Arians tells him you don't have to be a Superman on every play. And it's like when you tell someone, don't think of a polar bear, and all they think about is a polar bear. Right. Yes. So now, to me, it just appears that they're telling him, don't be Superman on every play. And what he's hearing is, be Superman on every play. <laughs> yeah, if he just did this, you know, if he just did that stuff 
sparingly throughout a game. Yeah, you know, exactly. maybe maybe in the fourth quarter when you needed it. But man, you know, I mean, like I said, he missed seeing five open receivers just in the first half alone. You know, and he was scrambling all over the place. And you're and you're like, this is this is the first and second quarter. How are you this frantic? Yeah. It, it really does hurt us. There were some other things, though. I don't want to sit here and bash on Jameis the whole time. And to be clear, we're not saying cut Jameis. No, we're no, not. no, no. I would love to see Jameis get this under control because I think he's got, he, you know, he's got to, definitely the desire to to be the best and to win. Uh, he's got a great arm on him. He's got good accuracy. He's not scared. He's got confidence all over the damn place. I mean, he'll throw a laser to a guy that's double covered. Yeah. Which brings me to another one. There was a uh, remember that. Catch in the end zone, it went right off Mike Evans's hands, mm-hmm. which that's a very rare thing for Mike Evans to do. And I was like, what in the world? On the All-22, if you look, 54, the linebacker for Tennessee, he tipped that ball uh, right before it got to Evans. Man. Yeah, it still Evans bounced off it. Evans' hands, but yeah. it was wobbly and uh, not exactly where Evans thought it was going to be. But uh, Winston should not have thrown that pass. I mean, that was just true. That was crazy. There was three guys. He had to throw it between three guys, basically. <laughs> I mean, just—he's lucky it only on. got tipped. Yes, yes, that's true. But more, carrying on with this game, with the Tennessee game, the Buccaneers have allowed 618 yards to tight ends. That's the second most in the league. The Cardinals have allowed 702, and that's without a buy. Wow. We've allowed 618 with a buy. That's 30 percent of all passing yards have been to tight ends against us. Same thing happened with this game. Jonu Smith. Ever heard of him? No. Yeah, he blazed us. He tore us up. <laughs> yeah, he's a tight end for Tennessee. Nobody's ever even heard of him before. I bet he's getting picked up in fantasy now. Oh, I know. He, I think he was the leading tight end. There's like a run fantasy. on him. It's misleading. In the fourth quarter, 13:49, the score was 23-20 bucks. We were up by three. Tennessee drives down the field 90 yards and scores a touchdown. Right? We all remember that. What we don't remember is what happened during that drive. There were three catches by tight end Johnu Smith. One for 17 yards, one for 20 yards, and one for four yards. That's 41 yards total out of 90 caught by the tight end. Wow. Two of the two of the biggest drives in that play were the tight end. Who covers the tight end? Who was supposed to cover the tight end? Our linebackers. I've been saying this. Everybody wants to crap on the secondary. And the secondary could play better, of course, talking to you, Vernon Hargraves. But our linebacking coverage has got to step up. I mean, we've gotten blazed by every tight end that's played us. Joe New Smith, who is he? I've never even heard the guy before. I don't know. And, you know, I was looking for the Seattle game, and their tight end is like Russell Wilson's uh, Will Disley. Drisley? Yeah, he, he's injured. Oh, he is? Yeah, Good. he's out. It's uh, Luke Wilson. Oh, that guy. Who has like 30 yards all year. Yeah. Receptions. He was the one. He was at Seattle. I think they cut him, or I don't know if he went in free agency, but he went to Oakland, and he was on Hard Knocks with Oakland, and then got cut, and he's the one with the long hair. So I was surprised to see him back on the Seattle roster. Right, yes. I might pick him up in fantasy. I I thought about doing it. I I really did. Yeah, but he's caught so few, but I'm like, gosh, you know, if... It's a good matchup. Yeah, if... uh, the coaching staff of Seattle sees what I see. They're going to be like, man, we got to throw it to our tight end. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought about picking him up, too. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, our, our linebackers, and they're not getting any uh, – they're not being held accountable by the media or anybody else, and they, they need to. I mean, this is – they're not doing their part as far as pass protection or the pass defense is concerned. In the locker room, 
supposedly after the game, who was it that lost their minds on the team? It was JPP, Levante, Levante David, and Mike Evans. And Mike Evans. Yeah. It surprised me with Levante. Yes. And I wonder if he was talking to his unit. Yeah. The linebackers. Yeah, it's uh and, and when I say the linebackers in coverage, I'm I'm talking about the inside linebackers, Levante David and Devin White. Mostly Devin White. Mostly Devin White. Yeah. The, David gave up a couple in this game, but I noticed that during the broadcast. Yeah. There were a few. But mostly mostly Devin White. And he's just not that great in coverage, man. Uh, there were slips on the field, but only with the Buccaneers. None of the Titans players slipped. Buccaneers players slipped. This happens a lot with us. We talk All about it the time. Talking, our yeah. equipment manager. Well, we got a new equipment manager I this know. year, and I thought maybe they would be able to work the cleats better, but apparently not. Uh, let me see. There was a Hargree slipped in coverage twice. Godwin caught the ball one time, and he was running and went to make a juke, slipped and fell right. I mean, it looked like a hard fall. I mean, his feet just went like he was on on ice they just slipped right out from underneath him and he could have picked up some pretty good yards on that uh jensen on the fourth down play that we needed towards the end of the game uh the fourth and one play where we ran it up the middle we, we'd had success with that all game long and jensen slipped you could see him he, he plants his feet and uh the defender hits him and jensen's feet just slip right underneath him he basically goes to his knees uh, Ronald Jones slipped in the fourth quarter at 701. Plus, there was others. I didn't track all of them, but it was just we were just slipping all over the place. I mean, we got to start learning how to wear cleats, right? You know, and and they've got basically the same field we do. Right, it's an outdoor. Facility. But we slip on our field a lot. I mean, that Atlanta game last year, I counted 22 slips in wow. that game. But that was both us and Atlanta. That was a that was a mess there. But we got to get our uh, our cleats right there. Hargreaves was playing slot a lot in this game. Uh, he covered Humphreys a couple times uh, in the fourth quarter, 8:23. He gave up a big play on second and six on the Tampa Bay 23. He got juked out by Humphreys. And this one I don't understand because Humphreys and Hargraves played together in practice for years. They know each other. They know each other. How are you getting juked out by him? Yeah, he got juked out right off the line. And Hargreaves just ran it, caught the ball, and that's they ended up scoring a touchdown the next play I play after. But that was a big play that got them right up close to the line. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, Hargreaves, what are you doing? You, you can't be doing You can't get juked out by a guy you know on on a play like that, especially. You know, it's just like, ugh. Uh, Mike Evans, everybody talked about why Mike Evans didn't get the ball thrown to him in the fourth quarter. He didn't get any targets. Well, one, we nobody really got a whole lot of targets. We didn't get the – we didn't pass it that much. It didn't seem. But Mike Evans was double covered every play except one. And Winston didn't see him. On that play, <laughs> when that'll he, do it. I mean, he was he was covered, but Winston could have thrown it to him. But other than that, he was double covered the whole time, every single play. I mean, they were they were wanted to lock Evans down in that fourth quarter. Something I want to point out, though, the football to the face play, where Jensen snapped the ball and it hit Winston in the face, and it was a fumble recovered by Tennessee, and the Keystone Cops play, where Jameis Winston called Perriman into motion and then did the silent count snap. With Jensen, Jensen snapped the ball, boom, they ran into each other. Both of those plays happened because we had to go into silent count mode because the crowd was so loud. Both of those plays were because Jameis Winston had to do a silent count. He had to lift his leg. You know, he couldn't audible the counts. The crowd was too loud. Buccaneer fans, that's what happens when you have a full crowd that's cheering, that's yelling, that's making noise. It makes the other team make mistakes. It can impact the game. And think about how many games this season have been impacted by the crowd. We had the Giants game. Sounded like a home game yes. for the Giants at the Buccaneer Stadium. 
New Orleans game. Mm-hmm. Loud. Loud. This game, I know I'm yeah. missing And this one. is Tennessee. This is the Titans. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're what? What were they they're coming the, into this? They were three and four. Three and four. They were three and fourteen. They just pinched their first their their first round quarterback that they've had for five years. And you got they got a scrub Ryan Tannehill in there, but yet they still sell out their stadium and cheer and scream and make all this noise to where the the opposing team has to run silent snap counts. And it's not like they've been winning anymore yeah, in the past have. few years than we have. Yeah, they went to the playoffs one time in that time period and just got blown and out. They're in a weak division, so yeah, that's not a huge surprise there. So it matters. You know, it matters going to the games, making noise. All of it matters. All of it matters. You know, it's a we game of inches. We yes, inches. We are the twelfth man. And you know, just like just like I wouldn't want to see Donovan Smith come and sit on the sidelines with a bag over his face. I wouldn't want to see uh Mike Evans posting memes on Reddit about how crappy Jameis Winston is or joking Jason Light, you know. I wouldn't want to see that. I don't want to see it by our from our fans. And I'm not saying how fans, how you're supposed to be as a fan. But it only makes sense to me that if you want to help the team win, you do things to help the team win, not help the team lose. You know, Jason Light got caught up in this thing. Uh, that whole thing was weird. I don't really understand Yeah, apparently the, the, he's being accused of having his, a burner Twitter account where he's supporting Jameis and all this. Yeah, and it's, gotten, it's the Jameis one of one Twitter account, right? Yeah, yeah. Where... The dude wrote a book, or whoever it is, maybe a woman. I don't know. Apparently, it's a guy because he's been on podcasts and stuff. Yeah, and he sounds like Jason Light a little bit, but and it might be the same. But I don't. I don't care. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where the national media. It's we're, we're back to the embarrassment part of the Buccaneers. If they're using it as a, to just embarrass us fans, look at it. There's 31 other teams in this league that love it. When anything bad happens to us, they want to see the fan base dejected and mocking their team and wearing bags to the stadium and all that stuff. That's what they want. I love that when I see other teams fans do it because I know it hurts the team. You know, so we've got the, this this stuff and we've got the Keystone Cop stuff. We got Jameis Eaton W's. You know, it's just it's really hard as a Buccaneer fan to hold your head up, put your chest out, wear your colors proudly. But we have to do it. It's like got- I, I don't I don't want. I don't want anybody on this team quitting right now. I don't want them going out there and giving half-ass effort. I don't want them playing to get traded. You know, I don't know what's going on with O.J. Howard. I don't know if he's wanting to get traded. I mean, he's is he hurt now? Is he? Yeah, he's a, out. Is he pulling a Jalen Ramsey? It seems that way to me. But I don't want to see that. Yeah, we're we've lost five games. But guess what? We're not out of it. And I'm tired. I mean, the media in Tampa Bay has already written us off. I mean, they're already talking about, you know, trading, getting rid of this player, that player, getting drafts for the 2020 season and all that. I mean, the Tampa Bay Times had headlines that, you know, Tampa Bay is a disaster and other things we learned. Uh, Joe Bucks has an article titled Bucks are a dumb team, you know, and just they're all saying it's over. There's no way we can make the playoffs. And I'm like, what do you all not know math? Y'all know, have y'all never been watching football? Because any given Sunday, anything can happen. And we could, we definitely got a shot at the playoffs. Now, granted, it's hurt. We're crippled. You know, it's going to be tough. It's do or die at this point. Yeah, but I don't want to see anybody on the team quit. So why are the fans quitting? Why, why is the media quitting? You know, this is a 12th man. If we quit, what do you think the team's going to do? They're going to quit. I haven't felt a sense of pride about the team, I think, since the... Rams game. Yeah. 
I couldn't remember which one it was. We played Carolina first, right? And then the Rams. Right. Yeah. The Rams was the last good game we've had where we won. Now, and that's the, that's the thing. And I, we say this on the podcast. This is a good team. This is a good team. I don't think they, we're a really good team. And, you know, we can get it together. We've lost. The, we have not gotten our asses handed to us yet. Okay. Not like the Carolina Panthers against the, <laughs> the 49ers. 49ers. Right. They got trounced. That was a beatdown. What was it, like 53 to 13 or something? Right. It was bad. We haven't had that. I mean, we've been and in we every And we played game. San Francisco. Yeah. When he could beat them on. We didn't look great. No, and that was James Winston. <laughs> James Winston. And, uh, you know, we've been in every game. You know, nobody's beating us. We're beating ourselves. Yeah. You know, all of our losses have been, you know, the New Orleans Saints is the only team I could say where, yeah. They convincingly beat us. Yeah, yeah, but it was close. They were the better team. Yeah. There were some issues there. I think there were some ref problems, stuff like that, but they were the better team. But we've got the media is attacking Arians. And like we said in the podcast after the game, everybody's going to be able to pick their favorite whipping boys and just go to town on it. You know, you, you could you could blame it on the coaching staff. You could blame it on Winston. You can blame it on the offensive line, the secondary, whatever. You can blame it on whoever you want to blame it on. And everybody's just going to town with it. I mean, this is everywhere. Uh, the, the Joe Bucks fans having a meltdown. Oh, they there. always are having a meltdown. They have meltdowns when we win. Yeah. I think it's worse when we win. I mean, to, to write an to. article with the title calling the team dumb. I'm just, I'm just like, what? You know, stop. Just stop. That's how I feel scrolling through scrolling through Twitter. I'll see posts and I'm just like, go away. And it's always the same offenders. Mm-hmm. I never engage. And it's because I want to be a dick to people. <laughs> oh, I do really bad. I just don't have the time, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I get very emotionally invested in it. So yeah, you do. Those girl feelings. Yeah. yeah there, there's a... There's a podcast out there. I'm not going to mention who it was. They've been tweeting all week about how McCoy is better than Sue. Uh, that our dun- run defense would be just as good without Sue. That Sue has done nothing. Oh, He's they not were but hurt when McCoy got cut. Anyway. Oh yeah, well a lot of this is. It's because- always the same people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the media. We we said this when when McCoy got cut. The media is going to go after this coaching staff the first chance they get because they're still pissed at him because of getting rid of McCoy. But to say that McCoy is better than Sue and that, that our run defense would be just as good without Sue and that Sue has done nothing, he's not a contributor, blah, 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 that is insanity. You go watch this game film. Sue is a beast, and he is a huge contributor to our run defense. Huge. I mean, Vita Vey is great. Uh, Will Golston is great on the run. All Everybody on our defensive line is on the run, but Sue – is incredibly good. I mean, he's just incredibly good all around, and he's he is so much better than McCoy on that defensive line. I just I don't know what these people are thinking. They don't watch the tape. I'm saying the same Sue detractors who are saying, "Oh, look at his stats. He hasn't been there. He's not as good as McCoy because look at McCoy's stats." They're the same ones who said when McCoy got cut and. Everyone pointed out that Sue has better stats than McCoy overall. They're the one, same one saying, well, sacks aren't a good measure of a defensive tackle. But now they'll point to Sue's lack of sacks right. and say he's not productive. <laughs> well, which one is it? You can't have it both ways. <laughs> well, let, let me clarify. It's not a podcast. It is a fan-like news site. Oh, okay. They don't have a podcast. Oh, okay, okay. 
I can't keep all these people straight. In any event, the well, point still stands. They, they're always dicks. I don't know why we follow them because they piss me off all the time anyway. <laughs> I've been tempted to unfollow and block, but then you don't know what's going on, what people are saying. Yeah, then you create you your own bubble. Yeah, you can't yeah. address it. Yeah, but there's all kinds of narratives out there. Uh, some of them I want to bust up here real quick. Uh, the Sioux is not as good as McCoy one. Uh, and they say that they've uh, reduced Vea's role. I think this was Joe Buck's fan. I'm not, I'm not pointing anybody out here. This is just what's going on. And what they did is they showed the percentage of snaps that Vea's gotten on defense. And they showed that there was a decrease. But what they didn't show was a snap count. And this is where, this is, God, this is why I hate stats. Because you can make stats say whatever you want. Yeah. Here's Vea's snap counts through the season. Okay. 47. He had 47 snap counts. 57, 41, 41, 48, 41, 44, 34. So now, do you see which, a trend there? I mean, which is there, part of that is going down? I mean, you right. have thirty-four, which that's kind of an outlier, right? And we the don't. Rest of them, you also have a fifty-seven, right? So those are two outliers. The rest of them are between the range of forty-one and forty-eight, right? Exactly. So, so it looks like they snaps. keep him on a snap count. It's yeah. not a matter of percentage, you know, percentage. right? Yes. So I'm just like, what? You know, they're, they're making a big deal, like, oh, they've cut his 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 snaps in half. You know, I'm like, no, they haven't. He's Played basically the same snaps he's played all year long. So that's just BS. Uh, there's another one. Uh, running Barber up the middle on first downs. As a matter of fact, one of the Joe Bucks even said it to Bruce Arians, asked him about, do you think maybe running Barber on first downs up the middle is becoming too predictable? And Bruce Arians just looked at him with a straight face and said, no. And that was it. <laughs> I was like, uh, and this is Bruce Arians. You know, Bruce Arians, the, yeah, he, he doesn't normally give simple answers like that, yeah. but he just... You could just look at him and tell he just wanted to roll his eyes on that one. Yeah, because I, I broke down the numbers. Barber has run 51 times on first down. We've passed 102 times on first down. Oh, so okay. it seems like passing would be more predictable you would think. than running it Right. D- during the Tennessee game, Barber rushed on first down seven times. You know how many times we passed it? How many? 18. Wow. Yeah. So that's not predictable at all. Right, no. If anything, you could predict that we're going to pass it on first down. That's what I would go with. Right. Now, if you if you go through the whole season and consider all the running backs, uh, the total rush plays on first down is 117. Total pass plays on first down is 102. So it's almost 50-50. Right. Which is exactly where it should be. There's no way you can guess if we're going to run it or pass it on first down. There's no way. There's no way it could be predictable. So that's just stupid. It was just a dumb narrative. But like I said, you know, when, you, when you're losing, you can pick whoever you want to to blame and make it work out. Yeah, you could even blame the defensive line if you wanted to. It'd be really, really dumb because they are awesome. Gosh, watching this all the time, I just love watching. Them. Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill got hit almost every time he dropped back. He just got that ball out quick, and and that's what you said. He doesn't mind throwing a covered receiver. No, he yeah, he just threw it to anybody. He didn't care. Uh, he just didn't want to get hit. And we were hitting. We were we were closing, and it was everybody. It was Vea. It was Sue. It was uh, Nassib. Nacho got in on it. Um, Barrett. Oh, it was a couple times where it came so close. Oh, and I also saw a uh, thing. I can't remember where I saw this. I don't know if it was a Twitter or an article or a podcast or whatever. But they were talking about how they dropped Shaq Barrett into coverage too many times this game. I didn't see it. I mean, they dropped him back. It looked like to me about as much as they normally do. I mean, they normally they do drop Barrett back. They'll drop Nassib back. Uh, sometimes they'll drop Bo Allen back, Vita back, Sue back into coverage. You know, they just try to give different looks and everything. And they do it with Barrett. Probably four, five, six times a game, you know, and it seemed like. Matter of fact, I would say they did it less in this game if I had to you know, just think off the top of my head. So anyhow, you can say whatever you want to say. When you're, when they're losing like this, 
people pull out their favorite whipping horse and just start beating it to death. Don't pay any attention to it. Most of the time, they're just salty. So we've got uh, Seattle coming up. Molly's got some good information for us. What you got, Molly? The Seahawks are currently 6-2. and two. How did that happen? I know. Oh, I know how it happens. They haven't played anybody. That is true. <laughs> they're 2-2 two two at home. Here is who they've won against. The Bengals. What? They're like, the, they're like one of the worst teams in the league. I know. Wait, it gets worse. The Steelers, <laughs> the Cardinals, oh God, the Rams, yeah. the Browns, the Browns, and the Falcons. Oh my God! So those are their victories. Wow. Their losses, the two losses, have come to the Saints and the Ravens. Oh, so two good teams. Two good teams. Okay. Lost to them. Right. Well, you know, people would put us in that the bad level category. with yeah, the bad cap, but we're not, not at all. If we can get it together, we can make it competitive. No, no, we can win. Uh, there's not there's not a team in the league we can't beat if we you know quit play screwing yeah up. We play, if we just play decent football yeah I mean a you see what we did to the Rams well, we just beat the Rams all over the place like redheaded stepchildren that's true we did no offense to all you redheaded stepchildren out there <laughs> this is a tweet from Greg Allman and he actually wrote an article about it. I didn't read the article but I didn't see the tweet. That between 2013 and 2017, when Bruce Arians was coaching the Cardinals, he went 4-1 and one against the Seahawks. He beat them four times. That was when they were good, too. Yeah. That whole division was good. Yes, they were. So he And that was at Seattle. Huh. So he has their number. It appears that way. However, I was reading a preview written by, I think, a fan site for Seattle, and they said, they did not have kind words to say about him now. They said that he basically is phoning it in, and they call him disingenuous. And As, as the coach of the Buccaneers? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to throw this out there. It is something we worried about, and we talked about it when he was first hired, that it seems like the Buccaneers, we do attract people that just want to come and basically hang out. And get a paycheck. And get a paycheck. I'm talking about Lovey Smith. I'm talking about Mike Smith. I'm talking about Collins. I'm talking about Michael Johnson. Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis. Deshaun Jackson. You know, we get that a lot. And I was worried about that with Bruce Arians. You know, and it seems like he's come and he's hired off all of his friends. They're all getting paid. Bruce Arians, a lot of times during practice, he cuts it short. He gave the guys a week off during the bye week after that loss to Carolina in London. I don't. I honestly don't know how hard he's trying. I don't know if he's phoning it in. I'll say that. I'll say it point blank. I don't know if he's phoning it in. Winston doesn't seem like he's improving. He's got Leftwich calling the offensive play calls. You know, I don't. I don't really know what Bruce Arians is doing other than hiring all of his friends. And and but I don't want to think that. I don't believe it's true, but I don't know it's not. I think he wants to win. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't think he wants his legacy to be this. Right. I don't know what kind of effort he's putting in to win. Let's put it that way. Now, I listened to the press conferences, and he's really good at press conferences, not just for his little snippets and one-liners and sound bites, but he talks football. And when he talks, he's definitely watching the game film. He's seeing a lot of stuff I see and more. And uh, so I know he's you know, studying game film, for sure. And he talks about his plans for the next game, and you know it seems to make sense. I just don't know how much effort he is putting in. So just want to throw that out there. I don't believe it. I do think he's he's wanting to win. Uh, you know, I think he's hired this large staff because he thinks it's going to be a, a benefit. And it, and it kind of has been in the sense that, you know, like with our offensive line, we had two main guys go down, two guys come in, stepped up. They played just as good. You know, Josh Wells 
screwed up a little bit, but they were serviceable. Yeah. And we've had that happen with everybody. Every position that we've had problems with, next guy steps in and it's just as good. I will say that we've mentioned this before and I don't, I think coaching can make a difference, but I don't think that's the problem in Tampa. I don't, I don't either. I don't know what the problem is, but it's not the coaches because that seems to be our go-to for when things aren't going well, fire the coach, get a new one, and it'll make it better. And it's mm. never better. No. Yeah. So I'm not going to put it on BA. Yeah. No, I wouldn't either. Because I wouldn't it either. just doesn't make sense. Like, we've done this. We've done this before. Right. Same thing with general managers. Same thing exactly. with all this stuff. But uh, if I if you had put a gun to my head, if you put a gun to my head and asked, said, what's the problem right now? I would say it's James Winston. And, you know, he just needs to calm down. Just stop. Being so frantic, you know, just just relax, calm down, make the right decisions, see the damn field. If if he did that, we would we would destroy everybody we played. I agree because we've had games where he did just that, and we destroyed people, and we destroyed people. Hopefully, the Seahawks will be one of those teams. Oh wait, wait, wait! Russell Wilson has 17 touchdowns and one interception this season. That's insane! Isn't that nuts? That's MVP numbers right there. I just I don't know. 17 touchdowns. That's he just threw his first interception last week. That's over too. two a game. Yeah. Have they had a bye yet? Do you know? We don't know. Okay. No, they haven't. His favorite target is Tyler Lockett. He's got 46 receptions of 54 targets. So he's pretty efficient. Four touchdowns, 615 yards. 26% of his yardage comes after the catch. Damn, that's a lot. Well, their number two receiver, DK Metcalf, has 23 receptions of 45 targets, so roughly half, a little less, a little more. Four touchdowns, 402 yards, 23% of his yardage comes after the catch. So wow. their offense, it seems, their passing game relies on yards after the catch. So Russell Wilson probably throws it to him perfectly in stride so they can... Yeah. Okay. Probably. Will Disley, who you said isn't playing, but he has 23 receptions of 27 targets, so... Almost all of them. Four touchdowns, 262 yards, 31% of his yardage comes after the catch. So that's 12 touchdowns to tight ends and receivers. He's got 17 touchdowns. Where do the other five touchdowns come from? Does he run them in? No. I mean, there's other receivers on okay, the team. Those okay. are just his top two. Okay. Chris Carson, their running back, he's fifth in the league in yards. No, I ain't worried about him. No, me neither. No. This, this run defense we have is incredible. You watch the game film. There is never a hole in our defensive line, ever, unless they're holding, you know, like they did with William Goldston. But it, it is, it is fast. I've never seen anything like it. We don't even need linebackers. Just our front five are, are just amazingly good at stopping the run. They're, they've always got their eyes on the ball. They've always got their guys under control so they can throw them to the side to make the tackle, even if they're double-teamed. You know, Domicon Sue's got that – Great spin move he does when he's double teamed that he gets out of the double team and makes the tackle on the runner. It's it's really beautiful to watch. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not worried about our run defense at all. Like I said last week, the only reason why Derrick Henry got any yardage was because they held our guys. Well, I don't think that the Seattle offensive line. I don't, I don't know how good they are. Football Outsiders has their adjusted sack rate at 17th. Okay. So they're about average. So, but Russell Wilson, does he get the ball off pretty quickly? That's kind of what this says to me that he's throwing two receivers in stride. They're getting a lot of yards after catch. I don't. And I haven't watched any Seattle games this year. 
I don't know. I, I know he's very elusive, though. He's hard yeah. to get down. And, and he's a runner, he's too. A runner. Yeah. Tiny little guy. Their offense is ranked ninth overall. That's but crazy. again, the quality yeah. of their opponents. Their opponents is, are crap. Yeah. We've had the, the hardest, uh, hardest schedule in the league, not including all the traveling we've had to do. You know, we're going up, up against these teams that have had the easiest schedules. I mean, Seattle playing with the, the, the Browns, <laughs> the, the Bengals, the Falcons. Good <laughs> Lord. That's almost as bad as the Patriots. Man, their <laughs> schedule has been a gimme. Yeah, and the, Seattle's defense is ranked 23rd. So, I know. I'm not really worried about that either. No, their defense has really gone downhill. Oh, speaking of their offensive line, their left tackle, he's 34 years old. This is Dwayne Brown. Oh, uh, he's an old man. He is old. <laughs> he's like up there with DeMar Dotson. They'll be in the NFL and they're seeing a home before too long. <laughs> Retirement home. But he's apparently had some knee issues and his age, I think, is really showing. So Barrett might do pretty well against him. And now this is not me pulling out of my ass. This is a Seattle Seahawks fan site that said that. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. And speed is kind of his kryptonite. Oh, well, good Lord. So... But, you know, if Russell Wilson's getting the ball out quickly, that's really not going to matter. True. But, again, their pass protection, not great. Not even mediocre. Worse than mediocre. We should have really feasted on the Titans on our our defensive line more than we did. We we were so close so many times. But, like I said, he just got the ball. He didn't care. He just threw it. Didn't care if guys were covered, double covered. Didn't matter. He just had to get that ball out because he was going to die. Russell Wilson, I don't know if he'll do that. I don't know if he throws in the coverage. If he holds the ball, we're going to get him. Well, and they've got the home field advantage that two of their losses, their only two losses, have come at home. So that's not the... So it's not the end-all be-all. Hmm. We got a chance. Oh, we got more than a chance. The injury report this week, Cameron Brait was limited on... Oh, it's Friday. We're recording this on Friday, but the Friday's injury report hasn't come out. We do know that O.J. Howard is not playing... Brait was limited. He's got a rib injury. Alex Kappa is back at practice. It looks like he's going to play. He hasn't been ruled out yet for the game. Carlton Davis, he's been full practice all week. He had a shoulder injury. And DeMar Dotson with the hamstring, he came back to practice Thursday in a limited capacity. And again, he's not ruled out. OJ is the only one ruled out. So we only had five people on the injury report, which is a really good sign. Seattle had 18 people. Good grief. It's like their whole team. Russell Wilson's on there. Mike Iopati, Dwayne Brown, that tackle. Ziggy Anza. I mean, everybody. Tyler Lockett's on there. Chris Carson. Their whole team's on the injury report. Bradley McDougal. Bradley McDougal, former Buccaneer. Mm-hmm. They got Jadavion Clowney, too. Don't forget that. But the only people, as of Thursday, there were only four players that were not full participants at practice. So it looks like. They're banged up, but they'll probably still play. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. With OJ out, we promoted Jordan Leggett from the practice squad to the active roster. Okay. And Jack Sitchie was put on IR. He has I some complications. That. Yeah, to shame. I really like him. I do too. I've never seen anybody break their arm like that and then just like walk off the field angry. No, they said, I know he was mad. <laughs> he was mad. But it was not a break. I mean, it looked like a break, but they said oh, it was some yeah, kind of ligament yeah, that thing tear. Was going backwards. I know. I don't know how that wasn't a break, but. He didn't look like he was in pain. He looked like he was just mad. I was angry at the world. I know. So OJ Howard's the only player on our team out for Sunday? Yes. 
definitively out. Do you have to designate them by Friday? Or is it kind of game time? There can be game time decisions. Yes. So any of the other four could maybe be game time, but we don't know for sure. Quan Alexander played last night, Thursday night. Yeah, against Francisco the Cardinals. Against Cardinals. He tore his pec last night, and they just announced that he's out for the season. So. Wow, that's two years in a row. I know. I'm glad we didn't pay all that money for him. <laughs> no doubt. And he was out the first game. He got ejected. Yeah. So he really hasn't contributed a whole lot to him, I guess. Well, no. I, I mean, maybe there's been know. some impact, but not longevity for sure. This is a cool tidbit. The Buccaneers have the fifth and sixth leading receivers in terms of yards in Chris Brown's and Chris Brown, <laughs> Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. And they're also tied for the lead in the NFL for touchdown catches. Yes, and all the receivers that are ahead of them in yardage have one extra game. We're the only ones with the bye week. Wow. Yeah. So we got good stats. What else we got good going on? I know you have a whole list. I'm done with the preview. Yes, uh, we want to end this on a positive note. There's a dearth of positivity for the Buccaneers. There there really is, and it's sad. And we like to be positive, but when you get emotional and you have these losses, and then you have what feels like the whole world attacking the team, Mm -hmm. it's incredibly demoralizing. It literally was. I mean, the national media picked up the story about Jason Light allegedly having a burner account, which I've heard from many different people that... It's all BS. It's not true. But anyhow. It got this guy some good publicity. He went on ESPN radio. <laughs> James 101. So, yeah, so good for him. <laughs> Sell your book, man. But we have plenty, plenty to be positive about with the Buccaneers. Uh, fans, I know it's embarrassing. Some of the stuff that happens is embarrassing. Some of the stuff that happens during the game is embarrassing. Some of the stuff that happens off the field is embarrassing. We get picked on, but... There's a lot to be positive about to hold our heads up high about. Look, we have not had, as we alluded to before, we have not had our asses beat yet. This is not the Lovey Smith Buccaneers where, you know, we're going 45-0 and 0 in the first quarter. You know, where, where Jay, Flacco's throwing five touchdowns on us in the first half. You know, this is, this is not that Buccaneers. This is Buccaneers where we're beating ourselves. So we've not had our asses beat like the Panthers did against the 49ers. That's an, that was embarrassing. That was a beatdown. Another thing to be positive about, we are not the Falcons. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably my favorite on the list. <laughs> yeah. they, they are a dumpster fire right now. This is probably the last year we're going to see the Matt Ryan regime and all that. That's it's gonna, crazy. Yep, they're going to blow that up. He's not even playing now. I'll take him. We'll take him. <laughs> uh, another thing, we are a good tackling team. Now, we had some missed tackles, and you're going to have missed tackles all the time, but we've had missed tackles in the last game. Uh, there was that one run. Uh, we've had uh, missed tackles against the New Orleans game. Michael Thomas ran it in. Edwards and them hit him and didn't tackle him. <clears throat> we've had some missed tackles. Other than that, I'm not scared when we have guys running with the ball. Our guys are tackling out there. This isn't the Dirk Cutter, Mike Smith, Lovey Smith tackling anymore we take it for granted that they're so good now and we've forgotten we have amnesia about last season how bad it was yeah the tackling was just atrocious it has been for five years yeah uh like you pointed out evans and godwin and we have two elite receivers on our team that are leading the league in fantasy points too that's nothing to scoff at levante david he's the only nfl player in the league with 20 plus sacks and 10 interceptions that's since two 2012. Since 2012. Our offensive line, that's something to be positive about. You go back and look. Us fans, football fans, sports fans in general, have short friggin' memories. You go back and look at before 
the first game, all through the preseason, all through the offseason, everybody's biggest concern was our offensive line. They played well. They have not been an issue. One good thing that we can really be positive about is our defensive line. Man, those guys are incredibly good. They're still the best in the league at run defense, stat-wise. And that's incredible considering the elite running backs we faced, that we've just shut them down. And Derrick Henry only got those yards because of those holdings. Cheating. Yeah, go watch watch the YouTube video. You'll see it plain as day. Uh, Another good thing to be positive about, Shaq Barrett. Oh, my gosh. How can you not be positive about him? He's tied in the league. For the league lead in sacks with 10 and forced fumbles with four. He's got an interception too. He's bad at some passes down. He's always there, always in position. He's a large part of why our run defense is as good as it is. He makes everything go inside. He is ninth in pass rush win rate at 26%. That's incredible. And as the team, the Buccaneers are first at 59%. That's what I'm saying. You can't hold the ball on us. But Y'all start crying about that pass rush. Oh, yeah. Who Remember was that? Remember Joe Buck's fan? Oh, God, yeah. We need a pass rush. Right, but now that and we have And then we a... fixed it. Now he's saying, oh, well, they fixed a pass rush, but what else? Right, yeah. Go away. It's ridiculous. Here's another thing. Matt Gay. This guy has not missed a field goal since he missed that one against the Giants to lose us the game. He's 87.5% success rate on field goals, 40-plus yards. Thank God. That is awesome. He's best in the league at that. And then, to wrap it all up, win or lose, these have all been entertaining games. I felt like crap after most of them just because we lost and sometimes how we lost. Most of it was how we lost, not that we lost. Because yeah, yeah. I can be positive if it's a competitive game and we're not completely out of it. But when we're not competitive... Or but we've been competitive not, all of them. We've been competitive, but it's not a good showing by the Buccaneers. Right, it's just us shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. You know, it, but... They've been entertaining games. And that's what this is all about when it comes down to it. This is entertainment. Eh, you can put some money on it and it can become more than entertainment in that aspect. But when you look at it, it's this is sports. It's supposed to be entertaining. And the Bucks have been very entertaining. I wonder how many people you lost money by hyping up the Bucks against the Titans. I'm not last even talking. Time. I'm not even gonna talk about <laughs> I how, just remembered you did that. I know. I'm not gonna talk about how much money I lost on it. But <laughs> if you lost money, uh, tweet at us, send me a message, let me know. I'll personally apologize to you. <laughs> I really, we really should have won that game. Anybody watches it knows it. We were the better team. So, anyhow, so those are the good things we've got going, and that's a lot of good stuff. I mean, you look at Cincinnati, you look at the Jets, the Miami, Atlanta, the Redskins. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, God, there's so many crappy teams this year. I mean, all of those teams, their fan bases are just. Is really sad because they don't have a whole lot to look forward to. They have no, but we've got hope. We still got hope. This may sound stupid, but we could. We're coming up on the easy part of our schedule now. We've we've gone through the gauntlet. The Seattle game's the last one. After that, it's easy beasy from here on out. It is conceivable that we could win out, and if we win out, there's a large possibility we go into the playoffs. I'm still sticking to ten and six, man. We got we got one more loss coming. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be. It ain't going to be the Seahawks, so I'll tell you that. I forget who it was, but. A few months ago, somebody tweeted at me on Twitter, and I said, you're going to really find us obnoxious when it's October and we're 2-5 and five and we're still talking about playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I got to find, if you anyone find can find that, that tweet. You got to find that. You got to tweet it at us. Yeah. Well, hey, here we are still being obnoxious. Here we are. Yeah. Unapologetic homers. Yeah. So we haven't got our asses beat yet. Uh, we are not the Falcons. We got... <laughs> 
Good tackling. We got Evans and Godwin. We've got Levante David. We've got a good offensive line. We have an elite defensive line. We've got Shaq Barrett, who is a diamond in the rough. Matt Gay is kicking his butt off. And the games have been entertaining. They haven't gone the way we wanted to. They're kind of like well, a good horror movie sometimes, but they've been entertaining. You never want to walk out of the room, you know. You don't want to miss a play because you never know what happens. Or happen. you want to miss all of them because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a horror movie that you watch behind your hands, yeah. right through the fingers. Our, our team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are a horror movie. Now, I, you know, I really thought we were going to turn the corner after the bye week. Uh, they came out the Tennessee game and just, you know, it wasn't a good showing, mainly by Winston. And uh, it can be fixed. That's a, It's an easy fix. But it just doesn't look like it's getting fixed. Maybe hold. I think he's watching my videos because he threw it to Mike Evans when Mike Evans put his arm up for a change. You know, I'm telling you, that's a, that's how they they should they should train Jameis Winston. Say, all right, here's what you do. You go through your progressions. You keep an eye on the field, see if anybody makes mistakes. A defender falls down, somebody turns the hips the wrong way, got the wrong coverage, busted coverage, whatever. But always corner of your eye. Keep your eye on Mike Evans, and if he puts his hand up for any reason, you just throw it to him. It doesn't matter what's going on, anything. That should be the rules. That should be the rules. And he did that last week. And we got a – it would have been a touchdown bomb, like 60-some yards. Instead, we got a defensive pass interference call because the guy mugged Mike Evans. So we ended up getting the ball in the four-yard line. Screwed that up for a field goal. But. And the NFL quarterback has so much to think about oh, in incredible. a short amount of time. Yeah. you got to remember which play you called. That's where I would have an issue, <laughs> I think. <laughs> What play is this? What are we doing? And it would all go downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the number one reason why you're not an NFL quarterback. Yeah. That and the fact that you're, what, five foot four? four? 100 pounds? Yeah. You could maybe be a kicker. Probably, yeah. Yeah, there's that one women's soccer player <laughs> no, that no, they want to yeah, bring I know. in. I know. I, I, I want them to do it just so that I, I want to see her get tackled. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I want to see her get tackled. That'll end when one of those three hundred pound linemen hits her at fifty miles an hour. That'll end. That'll squash all the women in football talk. You are such a misogynist. She's carted off the field, <laughs> busted up, heads on crooked. Do you even care about equality? Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Oh, do your score predictions. Oh, okay. It. All right. Seattle. Okay. I'm gonna go uh twenty four eighteen bucks. You know what? What? I'm typing it. We can hear you typing. I know. Okay, the last time I picked, well, I mean, like every time I've picked for the Bucks, they've lost. So I'm going to pick against the Bucks, hoping that they win this time. All right, there That's you go. That's just how I'm rationalizing it. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a beatdown. But the last time I did pick against the Bucks, we won. So. Hey, keep picking against there the Bucks. Then. I'm going to go with 24 21 right. Seattle. Close game. It's going to be close. Matt Gay's going to miss the game winning field goal or something. Game tying field goal. I'm not going to go that far. We might take him into overtime. Remember we did that in 2012? Yes, with Josh Freeman. That was such a good game. Oh, I know. Jeremy McCoy. Awesome game. Wussed out on that game in overtime. Let it go, man. Let it go. He's not even on the team anymore. Let it go. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about that. All right. Okay, that's go. going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we'll have our instant reaction out Sunday, guys, and uh, we'll be more consistent next week. Hopefully, with the podcast, we'll have one out Wednesday morning. I'm going to try to start tweeting some more cheery stuff so you all can retweet it. Don't argue with me because you're just going to piss me off and I'll rage quit. So. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have the podcast out uh, 
Sunday after the game. It's a late o'clock, eight, four o'clock game, right? Yes. So we'll have that out Sunday night. Uh, we'll have the, the film review out Wednesday. It might be Wednesday evening. Depends on how fast I can get to the game film. And then, I think that you keep trying to rush yourself. I do. You keep I, saying I Wednesday. Just to be realistic about it. Thursday. It'll be out Thursday. What? The podcast? No, the, the video. Okay. Well, we'll have the podcast out Wednesday. And then we'll have the uh, preview podcast out Friday. Got to get back up on the schedule. All righty, guys. That's going to wrap it up for us. Till next time. Go Bucks.